Wait a minute, why don't we turn to, uh, to Acts now? Continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this morning I would actually like to focus on uh, actually verse 22. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So this morning I'd like to talk about the, the four essential activities of a church. So the question is, is why, why do we gather together as, as Christians? And why do we corporately participate in certain activities? What should our focus be as a church? And what activities should we involve ourselves in? What was, the most, import, what was most important to the early church when they gathered together? Well, what does it say here? What were they doing? They were continuously devoting themselves. So this continuously devoting, actually, so the King James says continuous steadfastly. So this idea of steadfast attention uh, to give unremitting care to a thing. Obviously, this involves what? Consistency, right? Persistence. Holding fast. Always. Perpetually. Single-mindedness. A steady focus for these things. So the early church had their minds that they were devoted to these specific activities as a body. As someone said here, the, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So they, they were a, a learning people, a loving people, a worshiping people, and a praying people. I do want to set a tone for actually from the very beginning. I, I, I want to kind of go through each of these essential activities, but I do want to say, like, I don't think that continuous devotion means never, absolutely never missing a meeting. There are legitimate reasons for missing gatherings, obviously sicknesses, work, you know, various things. However, this should be a gauge to our hearts. How do we individually and corporately engage ourselves in these activities? So starting off here, what's, what's mentioned first? The apostles' teaching. Uh, and I, I think, you know, the, the question is, is, is this the priority? Is this number one, maybe on, on the list? You know, we don't know. I mean, Luke just mentions these. But we might be able to say, though, that obviously the, the word of God should be, in many ways, priority in all of our activities that we have. So the apostles' teaching is an instruction 
You know, here at the, at the school, here at KCOM, you know, they, they go through four years of schooling. And actually, the first two years, they call it didactic. The first two years is teaching. It's, this, it's real intense teaching, and then followed by two years of rotations. So the, the, the two years is full of instruction and, again, very, very intense teaching about medical things. So what did they teach? The apostles' teaching. Well, Acts 4 says, With great power the apostles were giving testimony, teaching, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. So influenced by the Spirit, the apostles gave Christ-centered teaching in all matters pertaining to life in Christ and godliness. And we can look, we can look all throughout the book of Acts, and they spoke frequently. Almost if you look at every single chapter, you see somebody teaching. You see the acts of the apostles. The apostles were going around and teaching, teaching the words, teaching Christ, teaching repentance. Even in Acts 4, again, it says, you know, Peter's saying, we cannot stop. We can't stop. We can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So the word of God was priority, was essential to the early church. It was a focus. Again, in Acts 5, it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So every day, every day, every day in the temple, the apostles were there teaching Jesus Christ. Obviously, those were special days, and we can acknowledge that. So I'm not saying that we should meet every day here. But I guess the question, again, is kind of as a gauge, though, is like, would you come? Would you come if possible, if, if work allowed, you know, various things? Where is your heart in wanting to hear the word of God? First Peter 2, it says, like newborn babies, long, long. For the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. How are we supposed to be towards the word of God? We are supposed to be longing for it, yearning for the word of God, longing to hear the word of God. And how does Peter say it? What what does he reference here? He says, like, as a newborn baby. And we have a baby. Right? And, and the baby longs for it. And what, what happens? He cries for milk. I am hungry. I want milk. So do we long for the word of God? I do have a, a confession to make. So we obviously we buy lots of milk at our house. Uh, and often because of price, we actually dilute our milk with water. <laughs> so, but are, are, you, are you wanting the pure milk. Again, our children want pure and, and whole milk, but we give them diluted milk. We give them diluted you know, with, with water. Are, are you wanting this diluted, or are you wanting the word of God? Are you longing for the word of God? So the, the primary focus when we, when we gather together should be devoting ourselves to the word of God. All of our activities as a church should be infused with God's word. Again, Sunday by Sunday, you know, just whenever we meet together, 
you know, again, particularly here with, with, with sermons and speaking. God's call to Andrew and I is to faithfully preach God's word. Paul's exhortation to Timothy is to give your attention to the public reading, to exhortation, and to teaching. So again, it, Paul's instructions to Timothy on, on how do you, you know, again, with, with, the, with the saints there, what do you do? Like when, when people are gathering together, what, is, what should you do? Give attention to public reading, so we can't forsake reading the Bible, to exhort, to encourage, and to teach. Why? Well, what, is, what does Ephesians 4 say? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the, mis- the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we need to teach and to exhort. You know, obviously just preaching the gospel, you know, hearing, hearing the good news of Christ, being faithful to that, and us individually as saints working through sin or various things. But again, it's also to equip you also for the work of the ministry, to teach you the Bible so that you can minister, to unfold again the word of God. And again, this is a high calling, and we desperately need your prayers. And although there is a weight on us as, as elders, you know, up here exhorting and teaching you, the, the weight is not completely on us either. It's not just ours, it's also yours. Colossians three sixteen says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So let, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Are the words of Christ richly overflowing, abundantly overflowing? Are you rich in the words of Christ? Are you filling yourself up with the words of Christ? And is it overflowing? Again, what is it saying here in this verse? Why? Why? Let the words of Christ richly uh, dwell within you. Why? With all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Each of us, again, has to have the words of Christ dwelling, abiding within us so that you can teach me. I need you to teach me the word. We are dependent on one another to teach and to exhort one another by the words of Christ. Well, the, the centrality of the words of God permeates, really, the, these other three. Fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. If we fail at holding fast to the word of God, though, everything else is going to crumble. It'll deteriorate, deteriorate true fellowship. It'll turn the breaking of bread into just nor, a normal meal and prayer really just into meaningless repetition. That's like we have to have the words of Christ richly dwelling within us, and we have to have it infused in all that we do here. So what's the next thing that's mentioned here? Fellowship. Koinonia. I'm not, I'm not a Greek expert. I can't, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But koinonia, so the, uh, the, the root here is koine. Okay? And so you might have heard of like koine Greek, which means... The, the, the common Greek language. So the, the, the language that was spoken really all throughout the Roman Empire. So this koine, so fellowship, at their core root here, means common. 
commonality. And, but it really doesn't, even commonality doesn't really get at the heart of what this word means. Koinonia. It means like intimate participation or communion. The same word is what Paul uses multiple times that describes our union with God. He's going to read a couple of here to you. 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Or 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. What fellowship? So you see that that close intimacy, that, that union there, what Paul is saying here, do not be bound, do not have fellowship, intimate participation in this. For what, what fellowship does light and darkness have together? And even the Holy Spirit there in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Fellowship is not a loose association, but intimately sharing yourself with others. I thought this verse was interesting here in, in Romans chapter 15 that says, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution, koinonia, fellowship, for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So Paul is using this word fellowship with this idea of the saints from Macedonia contributing, giving themselves over to the saints in Jerusalem, sharing with them something of themselves. So you get that idea? Fellowship, this union that's there. Brothers, we can have a deep communion together because we have something in common. We have been united together through the death of Christ. Ephesians 4 says, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through, through the cross, by having it put, or by it having put to death the enmity. The cross put to death the enmity. The cross tore down the dividing wall. In particular, Paul's saying here, the Jew and the Greek. But that's not just it. We can't just simply say just the Jew and Greek. And for Paul later on, goes on and say, you know, again, for there's neither male nor female, neither slave nor free. Like, like Christ, again, through the cross, united all believers together. Christ took each of us, each with our backgrounds, our preferences, our personality quirks, whatever, whatever you want to des- describe, each saint Christ tore down the dividing wall. And we can have fellowship with one another. 
So what should fellowship look like? I want you to keep your, your, your place there in Acts. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Obviously, this doesn't have an exhaustive list of what fellowship looks like necessarily, but a few things that we can look at here is one, again, share the word of God. Each of us is to encourage one another with the word of God. What does it say? Hold fast, what? The confession of our hope. What's our confession? What's our hope? Our confession is that Christ died for us. That is my confession. That's our hope that we have. Let us hold fast to that together. And let us remind ourselves of this. Even preaching the gospel to yourself and to others. Brethren, share the gospel with each other. Why are we here? What has Christ done for you? What has Christ done for me, for us? He has died for us. He has laid down his life for us. We can share love and good deeds. Consider how to stimulate, how to spark, how to inspire. Love and good deeds. Consider it. That means think about it. Dwell upon it. How can I do this? How can I show love to somebody else? Seek ways to share a deed of love or a word of love to a brother or sister. Right? I mean, by, by this, we are defined, right? What does, John, what does Jesus say to us in John 13? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if, what? If you have love for one another. Prove it. Do you have love for one another? We need to show love for one another and consider how to stimulate, how to stimulate, how to inspire, how to spark one another in love and good deeds. This is not particularly in the, in the text here. I was thinking of James five sixteen. It says, confess your sins and pray for one another. Again, in fellowship, it's an opportunity to confess your sins, to bear one another's burdens, to open yourself up, to participate again opening yourself up, contributing a part of yourself, revealing a part of yourself to another brother or sister. Why? To help you. To help you to overcome, to have victory in sin. So this brother or sister can be praying for you and to help you and to bear this burden with you. So finally also, share yourself. Consistent attendance is necessary to partake in the fellowship of the saints. Again, what does it say here? Do not forsake the assembling of one another. This is important. It's like, brethren, we have, we have to meet together. We have to be consistent in this. And again, it says continuously devoting to these things. Is that our heart's attitude? Again, I'm not saying... having to absolutely be here every single Sunday, even if you're sick or even if you have other things. Like, no, again, there's legitimate reasons why not. But again, what is our heart in this? 
It's like, are we longing to be here and to, be, to have fellowship with one another? The interesting thing is, if you want to flip back to, to Acts now, if we look at this verse here, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The way that this is, is written, it's, a, it's, it's like he's saying here, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. What's fellowship? The breaking of bread and prayer. It's almost like he's, he's combining the breaking of bread and prayer along with fellowship. And obviously I think that these we can kind of distinguish between these, but they are in some ways under the subheading of fellowship. So how is breaking of bread then participation? What, what do we mean that? How does this mean fellowship, the breaking of bread? I mean, I, I think that the breaking of bread means the Lord's Supper, communion, but it could actually also mean uh, like having a fellowship meal. Here in uh, 1 Corinthians, so, so the question is, is why though breaking the bread, communion, why, why would that be considered fellowship? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, is not the cup of blessing which we bless koinonia in the blood of Christ? Sharing, fellowship, participation. Is not the bread which we break a sharing, koinonia, in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. So the interesting thing, again, is the NASB uses sharing, the ESV uses participation, and the King James uses communion, where we kind of get our word, the Lord's Supper, or communion. We are never commanded to eat with one another, but we are commanded to do this in remembrance of me. Christ commanded us in the evening before his death to remember his body and shed blood. It is essential for Lake Road here to devote ourselves to the Lord's Supper. Each of us participates in the Lord's Supper or communion as a recognition of our joint communion with Christ. It's an opportunity for self-examination and confession of sin, worshiping God together and creating thankfulness in our hearts for, for our salvation, for what God has done for us. That Jesus, that you laid down your life and shed your blood for me. But it's also an opportunity to look around and to praise God for the work that he has done in each and every one of us here, of those who are partaking of this bread and juice. So this fellowship meal. Well, again, we know that the initial Lord's Supper happened after a meal, didn't it? And even look at verse uh, 46 here. Uh, Acts 2.46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Although we do not see fellowship meals again as being mandated in Scripture, it was obviously clearly practiced in the early church. And in fact, they were doing it again day by day. 
Uh, I don't think that the text necessarily implies like a potluck, like everybody's bringing in something and shearing. We don't really know. It, it, it seems like it's, they were going house to house, but there were also definitely times when they were meeting together in a large group. So I, I think it's, it's kind of unclear as to what that means. But regardless, eating, to, uh, eating with one another creates an opportunity to spend time together. Again, to participate with one another, to contribute with one another, to participate in each other's lives. Again, to share, to have communion with one another. So here we have fellowship meals once a month. These meals require participation, right? Again, each person contributing, bringing something to our mealtime, bringing something, a, a snack, chips, dessert, a, a casserole, something. Everybody's bringing something together as a whole church. And, but it's not just the food also, right? What happens afterwards or even beforehand? Everyone's what? Contributing to the service. Bring, you know, putting tables together and, and cleaning up together. And so this is actually, even the, even the times of service is a time of fellowship where we can together come together and have this communion and participating together to, for one goal to help each other out participating in this event. So fellowships can include an entire church meal or even just a small gathering. Again, I think it's, it's vital to have people over at your house, to have small groups at your house. Um, and in many ways that can be, sometimes can be even more intimate. It can give you more time to be able to share with one another. But again, whether we have a fellowship meal or, or have these individual times, really though, the goal though should be the same to contribute yourself and to encourage one another in our fellowship with Christ. I mean, again, as good as some of the meals can be, the central piece of the fellowship meal is Christ. Like this is our central theme. What brings us together? What has brought us together? What allows us to have communion, participation, fellowship together? Again, is the cross is the blood of Christ. So this needs to be, again, our central theme. It doesn't mean that we can't talk about football. We can't talk about other things. No. But what should our central theme, what should, what should we strive to try to talk about is to encourage one another and to dig a little deeper with one another, to confess sins. Well, finally, the last one on the list here is prayer. And although it's, it's listed last here, I, I think that it was considered equally important to the apostles. For even the, the apostles said there in Acts 6, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So they themselves see this as equally important. Corporate prayer is found all throughout the book of Acts. From larger groups... You have there in Acts uh, chapter 12, verse 12, it says, Many were gathered together and were praying. What was the situation there? Well, Peter was in jail. The saints gathered together and were praying. And what happened? Peter was miraculously set free. <laughs> but that wasn't just the only instance either. We look throughout the time. What happened at Pentecost? They gathered together. They were praying. Then Peter stood up, 
and spoke. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out. But again, it, it seems like that, that it wasn't just even like the, the gathering together for listening to the word of God and prayer, but that there were actually like stand-alone prayer meetings with the saints. And there are also smaller groups. There in Acts 16, you have Paul and Silas praying together also in jail. Right? So two coming together, praying out loud. You know, the, the jailer, you know, other people in the jail could hear them. They were, they were praying out loud with one another. And again, what happened? The Lord set them free. So how is prayer considered fellowship? Again, fellowship is intimate participation. Praying with, one, with another believer can unify our hearts and helps us to have one mind in the pursuit of God. Prayer opens your heart before God and before others. Again, the, the church had a, had a real focus on gathering together frequently. So do we see the need to gather together for prayer? The command to pray without ceasing was written to a church and not to an individual. As a church, we must continue with a focus on prayer. We are in a spiritual battle. And we need everyone to participate. Prayer is the weapon that we have to fight in this battle. We need you to be in prayer independently, but we also need you to join us in prayer corporately. So the interesting, interesting thing here is, as we look at this verse is do you see the simplicity of their gathering? Where are all the activities? I'm not saying that any activities besides these four are unscriptural. Is it wrong to have an evangelistic event? It doesn't say that here. But is that wrong? No, I wouldn't say that. Or some type of ministry of mercy or even a youth group setting? Is that wrong? Not at all. I think that there can be biblical foundations for these things. However, the, the, what should the main focus of our church, like what are we driving for? Why are we gathering together? What are we doing? Each of us needs the Lord's help to be continually devoted to these four essential activities. And we cannot stray from them as a church. Again, each of us, each of us need to have in our hearts this desire to gather together around these activities. And this is essential for the body of Christ, for us to grow, for us to heal, for us to move on. We need all participation. Again, because we are all a body and we all have fellowship communion with one another and we need everybody to come together so while we pray here again father again we we thank you lord for your word we thank you father for 
your instructions to us. We thank you that, that we have these examples in the early church um, to, to look to, 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 to be in, in some ways our guide uh, for our church. Um, so, Lord, we, we ask for help in these things. Lord, help each, each of us individually. Lord, I, I can even confess my own need, um, you know, at times of, you know, going in times of, of prayer and, and feeling cold or just not really wanting to. And, and yet then I go and, and, and you help and, and you, you deliver me from that and, and give me grace and really even equip me for the day. Uh, so, Lord, we, we ask for help, Father. Pray that, that you would help us as a church uh, to each of us to contribute one another, contribute to one another, to pour ourselves out, to, to have our hearts open, and to, again, to be able to unite together. Again, Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, for the power of the cross. That through the cross, again, there is no dividing wall. That, 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 that this, this wall that was there dividing Jews and Greeks and, and dividing us has been torn down. That there is no dividing wall. There is nothing that should divide us because of what you have done. So, Lord, we ask and plead, Father, for mercy. Lord, please, would you help us? Lord, we are thankful, Father, that, that again, that through all of this, Lord, that we have you as our foundation. Lord, that, uh, Lord, that, that again, through, through all of these activities, Lord, all of these things that we, that we have here, gathering together to hear your word and, and to join together in fellowship because of what you have done and to break bread together because of, of your shed blood and broken body and fellowshipping together to, to share with one another and to pray to you. Again, all of this founded upon you. And so, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, and, and ask that you would help us, Father, again, in our hearts to be continuously devoted to these things, to see this as priority and essential in our lives. Amen.